thinking this morning while we were worshiping, and I don't know if this is just a, a me thing or if it's an us thing or if it's a world thing, but I was just thinking about that verse that talks about these, the heavy garment, the garment of heaviness that so many of us carry every day. We feel weighed down. We feel overwhelmed. Anybody been overwhelmed this week? I mean, did you just reach a point? I, I was at a point on Friday. I literally, I, I just didn't know what to do. I, I had so many things at home, at work, and I just, I, I, I had to take a moment and just, I had to step away. I don't know if they thought I was leaving or what. I, I, I might have just, should have just left. But I just had to step away and I had to take a little walk with Jesus. Does anybody still take walks with Jesus? I, I tell you what, I had to have a little talk with Jesus too. <laughs> I say, Lord, I, I can't handle this. I'm not built for this. I, I, I just, it's all hitting me at once and I need help. And I tell you, I haven't prayed uh, nearly enough. That's, my, that's on me. But I tell you what, I know who to go to when I need to get through it. And I, I, I don't know if it's just me or if it's all of us today, but I think this garment of heaviness has been on us long enough. He promised, He promised that He would take it from us and give us a garment of praise, a joyful garment. He said He'd give us a light yoke and an easy burden. And I think we need to take him at his word today. And I'm not one of these who goes around and tells everybody, just say hallelujah and everything will be all right. I'm not like that. But I certainly do believe in a principle that we as humans in our weakness and our frailty we tend to get so caught up, so focused on the greatness of the battle or the burden or the problem or the obstacle that we're facing in the moment that we forget about the greatness of our God. And I don't know why it struck me. I've heard that song my whole life. I've heard it. I don't know how many thousands of times, but boy, when we just started singing about how great thou art, I just began to feel a loosening in my own heart, a, a lifting up of that burden. Because, you know, I, I really, I, I got, I was concerned because my favorite verse of that song is the last one, and for a moment it seemed like she wasn't going to sing it. And I thought, well, I'm going to, if she won't sing it, I will. So I just began to say, when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take us home, what joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. And as I was thinking about that, I said, you know what? I don't want to wait until I'm there to proclaim, my God, how great thou art. So if you would just join me for just a moment and just declare the greatness of your God. I'm not promising you it's going to fix everything, but I promise you this. When you begin to focus on how great your God is, your problems and your burdens will begin to get smaller in your own eyes. My God, how great Thou art. Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, glory to Your name. Father, we magnify 
your name. We glorify how great you are. How high above the earth, above all this that encumbers us, about all this who weighs us down, you rise above. And you have promised to lift us up and let us sit in that heavenly place with you today. So God, we magnify and glorify and honor your name. We praise you. We praise you, Lord, today because you're great. And because we know that no matter what battle we are fighting today, what burden we are carrying today, it is nothing compared to your glory and your power and your mercy and your grace. Sufficient is your grace for us today. Your grace is sufficient for me and it is sufficient for each one today. So we glorify you. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord, for being who you are. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody worship God. It's all right. It's okay. You can just worship God. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Bless you, God. Bless you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I see the stars, Lord. I hear the rolling thunder. My God, how great you are. How great you are. When I think of the cross, your Son not sparing, my God, how great you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. You are the lifter of my head. You are the lifter of my head. When everything weighs me down, you lift me up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless his holy name. It's good to see you here in God's house this morning. Amen. Those of you that are joining us in the audio service line, we glad to have you with us as well. Wish you could be here with us, but we know you'll be back soon. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 6. While you're doing that, I'll remind you to, if you want to give, you can do that in all the varieties of ways, tithes, offerings, missions, whatever gift may be. You can do it online at our website, lhcogfl.org. You can do it through an app, PayPal or Givelify. You can do it here in person, just dropping it in the offering box. You can mail your gift in. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. I want you to be on the prayer call this afternoon at 5.30. Be on the prayer call on Wednesday at 12. And be on the Bible study call Wednesday night at 7.45. Appreciate those of you that participate in these activities. I know I know the uh, pandemic is seemingly never-ending. We're in another wave of uh, virus uh, variants and things. And encourage all of you, even if you're vaccinated, to take all necessary precautions. No reason to put yourself in harm's way. But we must continue to worship together and study together and pray together. We cannot forsake that. 
even if you can't do it in person because of this reason or that reason. We provide these call opportunities so at least we can gather together in spirit. And uh, I know it's not exactly the same, but for now it will do. Until this plague is lifted from our land, we will, we will do the best we can to find that meeting place between coming together and staying safe. And right now, this is the best opportunity we've found, and we thank God for it. If we were a generation or two earlier with this, we wouldn't even be able to do this. So, you know, in that sense, we're grateful that we're at least in an age where we can connect, uh, even when we can't do so physically. So mark these things out. Set your alarms. Be part of these gatherings because we need one another. We really do. Uh, Anyone who tries to go this battle alone, cut off and isolated, is going to struggle and probably will fail. I don't think, I don't know anybody, I, I, I I know some real warriors of faith, but I don't know anybody who can just stand all by themselves. We need it to support, encourage, strengthen one another. And these are the best ways through prayer, through study of the Word of God, and through worshiping together. This is how we encourage each other and keep each other strong. Amen to that. All right, Galatians chapter 6. I want to read verses 6 through 10. We are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the fruit of goodness. Paul writes here, Let him who is taught, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. May God's blessings accompany the reading of his word. Father, we give thanks for your word this morning. Thank you for its inspiration, your spirit moving in the hearts and minds of your holy prophets and apostles, bringing to mind the words of life, of hope, of faith, the words that give us our foundation, the words that give us our life. Thank you for its preservation. Though many attempted to corrupt it, though many attempted to destroy it, yet it was passed down faithfully, inerrantly, through the years to come into our possession. We thank you for the translation of the word into our own language, that we might read with our own eyes and hear with our own ears the words that give us hope. We pray, O God, for an anointing to flow. Flow through the one who speaks today. For you know all of his limitations. Flow through the ones who hear today. Let every heart, every mind be open and receptive to the word of God. Let it take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all who agree, say amen. Goodness has become a controversial idea in the modern culture. Actually, let me check that, because it's not simply the modern culture. You can go back to the prophet Isaiah, who said in Isaiah chapter 5 that there were those who called good evil and evil good. 
The enemy has always been about trying to twist and pervert this concept of what is good. But we are assured that in the character of Christ that is developing in us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of that character is goodness. That God's people and Christ's people are going to be good people. Now let me just stop you right there because when you begin to use that particular adjective to describe people, we're going to have to be a little bit more particular. I've heard it said many times that in spite of what a person has done that is evil or bad, that they are basically a good person. You've probably heard that yourself a number of different times. Someone will do something wrong, someone will do something harmful or hurtful, they'll tell a lie, they'll take something that's not theirs, they'll, they'll, they'll do something destructive, and, and we will make the excuse for that person that uh, although what they did is not good, they themselves are basically a good person. I want to argue with that idea because the Bible says uh, we are what we do. Amen? He who practices sin is of the devil, and he who practices righteousness or goodness is of God. Now, I understand that anyone can fall and anyone can fail and anyone can have a weak, a weak moment, but when we habitually do the thing we know is evil, the biblical definition is that we are evil. And when we habitually do the thing that is good, the biblical definition is that we are good, and God's people are called to be good people. In other words, our faith is not simply to be some uh, uh, esoteric, uh, pie-in-the-sky faith, uh, but it is to be displayed through the good things that we do. We are not saved by doing good, but because we are saved, we begin doing good. We were created, according to Ephesians chapter 2, in Christ Jesus for good works. Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount that when we do good works, people see the good that we do and they glorify our Father in heaven. He says, don't put your light under a bushel. Don't hide the goodness that God is pouring into your heart but to do good to all people, Paul says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we first ask ourselves, what is good? And biblically speaking, there's only one definition for good. Jesus said, God is good. Psalm 136 begins with, oh, let us give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. God is a good God. Just talking a moment ago about how great God is and how, how, how powerful he is, but that greatness and that power would be, would be a scary and intimidating thing if he wasn't also a good God. If you were to give some of us uh, a, a measure of power, we would use that power in very destructive ways. You see that all the time. Let the wrong person come into authority and, and much chaos and much destruction follows after. But when someone who is good is given power, they take that power and they use it for the benefit and the blessing of, of, of others. And that is what God has done with his power. With all that greatness and all that power, the fact that God is good is what we depend on more than anything else. Because it is the goodness of God that we are trusting in to deliver us from the evil that is in us and in the world around us. And if God is good, then by definition, anything that is not God, anything that is contrary to God, anything that does not align with God's character and with God's nature is not good. And if you trace that through the Scriptures, you'll find very early on this idea of goodness and good and evil. Right there at the very beginning, 
God said uh, at the end of Genesis, Genesis 1.31, he looked at everything that he made and he saw that all was good. But we see very quickly how that goodness was perverted, was twisted, and was turned into evil by the selfish acts and the disobedient acts of men. So when we look at good, we misunderstand, first of all, that good is of God and that good is because there's goodness in the world because God is part of the world. If you were to take God, take God out of anything, and you begin to lose the good that is in that thing. Come on, we've seen this, right? Take God out of our public school systems. And what begins to happen? Goodness begins to dry up. Evil begins to make inroads. And within a generation or two, we have what we have today. Violence immorality, all manner of perversion, all being promoted, all being encouraged under the banner of good. But good without God is evil. And this is the, this is the cultural war, and this is the social war, and this is even the religious battle that we're fighting today. To maintain goodness, we must keep the link between God and goodness. You can't have goodness as a separate thing. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, who is God, is goodness. If you take the Holy Spirit out of it, what passes for human goodness, what passes for cultural goodness, what passes for social goodness, will very quickly become corrupt and become degraded and become evil. We see this over and over and over again. Take God out of any institution, any organization, any process, any policy, and whether and though it might be intended for good purpose, it will quickly turn. It will quickly degrade. You can point to any aspect of society and see that testimony. And we in the church are especially at times guilty of this, thinking that we can do good without God. That we can do good for the world without making God a part of the good that we do. Come on. You see this happen a lot. Now listen, is it a good thing to minister to the sick? It certainly is. Is it a good thing to feed the hungry? It certainly is. Should we do these things? We absolutely should do these things. But we should not do these things without God. Because by putting... By taking God out of it, very quickly the goodness will become something else. It will get twisted. It will get torn. And what was started out, and I, I can't even begin. I, I was going through a list of examples in my mind. I thought, my God, it will take me the whole sermon just to go organization by organization and, and, and item by item and, 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 and just point out how many different ways where a good thing went bad because God was taken out of the, of the process. And you can put it in, you can, and depending on which way you take things, you can make that political, you can make it social, you can make it economic, you can make it anything. I tell you what, somebody, somebody was selling me the other day on socialism, and they were trying to say that, that, that socialism was, a, was, was the right way to do it, and they quoted Scripture. Don't you love when they do that? Don't, they, don't you love when somebody comes to you to argue something and start throwing scriptures in your face? That's my favorite thing in the world. I, no, I'm, I'm, you think I'm being sarcastic. I love, because when somebody opens up, if, if they open with scripture, I've got them. I have got them. And they said, yes, you, 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 you church people, you're the one that started this thing. You're the one that says, in, right there in the book of Acts, they had all things in common. See, that proves it. I just smile. I said, you want to talk about the book of Acts? Let's talk about the book of Acts. Will socialism work? It absolutely will work if everyone repents, everyone believes, everyone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, and everyone continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. If they will do that, we can have all things in common. But if they won't, 
If you take the Holy Spirit out and the love of God out and the love of brother out and the love of family out and the love of community out and you take all the repentance out, what are you left with? You're left with Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea. You're left with China. You're left with mess after mess of, of human suffering and, 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 human, and human bondage. How dare you? And I, when I started unloading on them, you could just see them begin to shrink. So how dare you compare such things to what there was happening in the book of Acts? Yes, if we could get this whole world saved and praise God one day, there'll be no one left in this world but people who love Jesus. When Christ shall come, right? One day it'll be that way. I said, but until then, we have to, the good thing to do is to keep a check on people's selfishness and greed and sin and lust. Sometimes church people, when we talk about a good thing, we don't even connect it with God. We think that goodness is something we can, just, we can just invent or we can just rationalize to ourselves. And that's where so many times the good intention and the good purpose produces the evil fruit. And that's why I chose this passage. Because I wanted us to see the connection between what fruit is born and what seed is sowed. We've been talking here for several Sundays about fruit. But we haven't talked very much about how you get fruit. And you can't have fruit until you have seed. And until that seed is sown in the right soil. And so if we are going to see goodness and the goodness of God on display in our life, not only do we have to be fruit bearers, but we have to be seed sowers. And you can't be fruit bearers until you have seed sowers. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, Paul says. What you sow, you will reap. If you sow good, if you sow good things, good things into your home, good things into your life, good things into your job, good things into your family, good things into the community, you will reap good. But if you sow selfishness, if you sow division, if you sow corruption, if you sow things that, uh, that are, uh, are not of God, what will come up? Nothing but weeds and thorns and sour fruit. And we've seen that in evidence in the church in my generation. My generation. I, I can't speak to past generations. I wasn't there. But I've seen the church divorce this concept from goodness, from its source in God, and, see, and, 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 and try to create a separate category of good. Is it good and pleasant and beneficial and orderly to allow sin to go unchecked under the banner of tolerance? Think about it. What is tolerated is soon approved. And what is approved soon becomes the standard. We've watched this. I've watched it. You've watched it. We began with a good intention. A good intention, but not a godly intention. Let me make, the, let me make that distinction. In our own heart of compassion, in our own desire to uh, maybe make the church a little bit more acceptable and a little bit more palatable and a little bit more uh, 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 approved of by the world, we began to allow certain things to become, we won't say normal, but we allowed them to exist under this banner that, well, if they hang around good people long enough, eventually they'll learn better. How does that work? I have found in my experience that evil is far more contagious than good. Right? Evil is far more contagious than good. If you hang around evil people under the idea that your goodness by some osmosis will somehow begin to 
bring those evil people into some better state of existence, I promise you this, it is far more likely and far more uh, realistic that your goodness will soon be corrupted. Your goodness will soon become more like their evil than their evil will become like your goodness. We need to understand, church, that you cannot divorce the seed from the fruit. If our intention is to be men-pleasers, then what we will reap is the fruit of mediocrity and the fruit of compromise. But if our intention is to be God-pleasers, then we will reap the fruit of goodness. What does it mean? What does it mean to be good? It means to be like God. To be like God. When we say something is good, we are comparing it to God. And it's all right to do that. It's all right to do that. When I look out over you know, a, a beautiful uh, a landscape, I, I go up in the mountains and look out and see the, the beauty of the sun maybe setting behind a mountain. Or go down to the seashore and, and see the... The, the, the waves rolling in, or see the see the beauty of the of, of the beach as it's laid out. I can say, "Oh, what a good thing that is," and I can be right about that because God Himself said it was good. It's beautiful. It's orderly. It's functional. It's doing. It's beneficial. It's a blessing to the heart. It's a blessing to the mind. It's a blessing to the soul. It's like God in that sense. When I look out and, and, and see a, a, a beautiful family coming to church together, to worship together, I say, well, that's a good thing. Or when I look out and see a, a, someone giving a cold drink to someone who is thirsty, I say, that's a good deed. What we're saying is that's what God is. God is a, is a one who satisfies the thirst. God is one who satisfies the hunger. God is one who satisfies the need. That is a good thing. And we are called to do good things. We are called to manifest the goodness of God through our own character and through our own behavior. We are called to be good and to do good. And we are called especially to overcome evil with good. Let me just take a moment here. Because this is another change I've seen in my generation. There's, there's, there's come an attitude. And I don't know how prevalent it is because I don't really, I've, I've kind of gotten away from getting too involved in the social networks and all those things. I just, I find so little edifying there for me personally that I just kind of, I touch base every once in a while just to make sure family's okay and everybody's doing well. But other than that, what I've seen just, in my own experience, is a willingness today of God's people to resort to the enemy's tactics. Come on. God's people to use the enemy's tactics. And their defenses is that, well, they're doing it. They're getting away with it. They're lying. They're cheating. They're stealing. They're doing all those things. So, and they're doing it for a bad cause, for an evil cause, so aren't we justified to do it if we're doing it for a good cause? My answer to that is an emphatic no. You cannot use evil to do good. It's that simple. God simply will not allow His goodness and His name to be associated with any despicable, vile, evil thing. I don't care what the end goal is. Well, you know, we need to get certain... Well, I almost, almost stepped in it. I don't want to play the politics here. I really don't. I hate it. I hate politics with a passion. But there are some who say, well, you know, we know this... This character isn't maybe the best way to do this, but we need, you know, we got to get them in power to get what we want. Well, forget for a moment about what we want. Let's start focusing on what God wants. I promise you this God cares less about politics than you do. If we will do good, goodness will be the fruit of our efforts. If we will sow good 
and do things the right. Well, if we if we do it if we do it this way, the Bible says it, brother. Then we're then we're then we're going to be out of power, and we're not going to have any influence at all. And I, and I challenge that because there's a difference between having influence and having good influence. And I tell you now, the influence that the church has in America is not a good influence at the moment. And I say that publicly, and I say that with shame. We have dragged the name of Jesus Christ through the gutters of economic, political, and social agendas. We have treated the name of Jesus Christ disrespectfully, shamefully, and harmfully, and we have brought disgrace to the kingdom of God. And we had the best of intentions. But we divorce our goodness from our godness. And goodness without godliness will always produce evil fruit. I don't know what else to say on this subject except this. There is no shortcut no side road, no detour. There's one way to defeat evil in this world. One. Jesus showed us that. Jesus showed us that the only way to overcome evil was with an act of self-sacrificing goodness and love that was so pure-hearted and so good in its intent and in its connection to God that evil was powerless against it. Oh, every demon in hell railed. And the devil himself cursed. They could do nothing about the goodness that was in Jesus Christ. Come on. I'm not making that up. It's right there in your Bible. Acts chapter 10. Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. They tried everything they could. Tried every way to tempt. They showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of these are yours. You can be in charge if you will bow down. And what Jesus refused to do, the church has only been too willing to do. Oh, pastor, you can't say that now. That's, 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 you know, the church is God's church. Yes, it is. It's His church. And I love the church with all my heart, all my soul. And I, I, I serve, I've served the church my whole life. And, and I've, I've been brokenhearted over the way the church is going about trying to do good in this world. Because we have forsaken the path of righteousness. We have divorced godliness from our goodness. And because we have done so, our goodness has become evil. And we are making people twice the children of hell. Because we are not coming to them in the spirit of God. Now let me say this and I'll I'll be done. It says here, not to grow weary. That's what motivates people to compromise. They get tired I do the right thing, I do the right thing, I do the good thing, I do the good thing, and I don't see any progress, I don't see any result, I don't see any profit, I don't see any benefit to it. I do what's right, and I get stuck in in this one place, and everybody else who's doing what's wrong, they get to move ahead, and they get blessed. Come on, you know how we are. Even David had that problem, right? David said, "I, I, I was jealous of the wicked. Right? What is that? Psalm 72, 73, somewhere right there? I was jealous that the wicked, they're prosper, they're fat, they eat good. Their crops come in heavy. Their livestock get fat. Their women are pretty. Their children are healthy. No harm befalls them. I was jealous over the wicked. I fretted myself over evildoers. I was saying it's not fair and it's not right and I should have just done what they did and I would have got ahead. Right? I'm glad he doesn't leave that psalm that way because that would be, be a bad example to us, wouldn't it? But then he said, oh, but then I went into the house of the Lord. 
I looked into the Word of the Lord. I got into the presence of God. And then I understood therein that God, you have set their feet in a slippery place. I tell you what, I haven't spent much time up north for good reason. It gets too cold up north. And when it begins to get too cold, it gets wet, and that wet turns to ice. And you try to walk down a driveway that's covered in ice. That's what the Bible describes where the evil man stands. He's in a slippery place. Paul here says, don't get weary in your doing of good. Don't get weary. Don't get worn out. Don't say, oh, it's just not doing any good. It's not, we're not making any progress. Let's try something else. Let's do it the world's way. We will see what we have sown bear fruit. That's what he says. We shall reap in due season if we faint not. If we keep doing good, Understanding that connection to God. If we keep doing God's goodness in this world, help the sick, help the poor, help the hungry, help the thirsty, lead the blind, help the lame to walk, teach the deaf how how to interpret signs. If we will keep doing good, we will see the fruit. And the best good we can do is to do what? Is to declare the good news. Right? To declare the good news of Jesus Christ. I know to some, I had somebody say this to me years ago at work. I had gotten a reputation on the job for, and this is going to date me. This is a, a reference some of you young people, well, there are not too many young people left among us, but some of you young people will not understand this reference. I got tagged with the description, I was a goody two-shoes. Now, i got to be honest, I have no idea where that phrase comes from. What, how many shoes one has? I, I, I don't know how shoes and goody good got related to each other. I'm sure there's an interesting story about Somebody had one shoe and somebody had two shoes and it was better to have two shoes than one shoe so they were good with two shoes and somehow that became a goody two shoes. I don't know. But I got this reputation as the guy who wouldn't cheat, wouldn't lie, did everything the way that the company said to do it, followed the policies. And somebody came to me one day and says, you know, you'll never get anywhere here doing, doing what you're doing. And I said, that's okay by me. If I work here 50 years and die doing the same thing, I'm not going to be weary in doing good. If doing good doesn't get me ahead. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't care. I, then I, I don't need to be ahead. It's all right. Trust me. I've had promotions. I've had responsibilities. I've had jobs. I've just got a recent promotion, thank God. I promise you, I was never happier than I, than I was just the guy out there driving the truck. I was the happiest I've ever been working. Every, everything that's come my way, I'm grateful for, I'm thankful for, and I bless God for because I can't do the other stuff hardly anymore. But I tell you what, I wish, I'd have just, I, wish I could have just done, kept going on just doing that little good thing and never been bothered with any of the rest of the nonsense. Church, The character of Christ in us compels us to be good and to do good. To sow good and to reap good. And I promise you this, if you are faithful in doing good to all, particularly those of the household of faith, you will reap. You will reap. You may not see everything you... You may not have everything that the world has or that the neighbors have and all that, but you know what? You'll have more. You'll have more because you have peace of mind and peace of heart. You'll be able to put your head down on the pillow at night and know 
that God is good and His goodness dwells in you. Would you stand with me this morning? I am deeply concerned over the state of what is defined as good in this world. Things are being called good today. That they're not, it's not just that they're bad things, but they're actually destructive, harmful. They are degrading our homes. They're degrading our communities. They're degrading our nation. We are, we are, we are seeing a, a lousy, rotten, vile crop of fruit because what has been sown over the last generation in changing the definition of goodness. I don't know if we can get it back or not. That's sort of up to how God chooses to deal with our nation. I'm praying for revival. I know you are. I'm praying for a new wave, a new reformation, a new awakening to visit our land again. And I know God is able to do that. I don't know if He'll choose to do that or not. He may be ready to move on to the next phase. He may be ready to just go ahead and send His Son and get this all over with. That's not for you and I to decide. What we can decide is that we will not allow our lives to be compromised and to allow what is called good but is really evil to find root in us. So we're going to pray this morning. Then after we pray, we're going to take communion together because of the good love and the good, kind, gracious sacrifice our Lord made for us. But for now, we're going to intercede on behalf of our homes and nations, communities, that goodness, true, godly goodness, would be manifested through the people of God, that the world would actually be able to see what real goodness looks like in our lives. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you because you are a good God. Your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your generosity. Oh, Father God, what would we be? Where would we be? Who would we be if you were not a good God? And as a good God, you sent your good Son to do the good work of living and dying and being raised from the dead, that we might be redeemed, that we might be born again, created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works in His name. And Father, today we pray for that we pray for that to become reality in our lives. Oh Lord, would you let your goodness shine through us? Let your goodness shine as a light in this dark world through your people. Let your goodness be reflected in our words, in our works, in the things we do, in the relationships, and how we care for other people. Let your goodness, O oh God, be on full display that the world might see it and glorify the Father in heaven. Lord, this world has no idea how to define good. They use all manner of rationalizations and justifications to call evil good. And we see it as it infected. It's infected every life every level of life. But God, we stand here today as sowers and reapers, sowing good into our own heart that we might reap goodness in our own lives, sowing good into our own homes,
that we might reap goodness in our families, sowing good into our jobs and into our communities, that we might reap goodness and sowing good into this world through the good news of Jesus Christ, that the world might know that true goodness, true uprightness, true righteousness still exists. Because it sees us. It sees your people. Lord, help us to be good. Help us to do good. Help us to overcome evil with good. And help us to share your goodness with all we come into contact with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join me for a time of communion? as we celebrate the life and death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate good work, the ultimate doing of good that will reap. I know it seems, I know it seems difficult to believe now that we're going to reap. The way the world is going right now, it feels like it just feels like evil is just unstoppable. We see what's happening in Haiti, in Cuba. We see what's happening in our own nation. We see pandemics and plagues. We see economic hardships, businesses closing. We see families struggling, homes being broken up. It seems almost impossible. What good can come out of any of this? But we have the assurance of God. We have the promise of God. That what others intend for evil, God means for good. And this is the best example. They fought to do evil to our Lord Jesus Christ. They thought they could silence him forever and render all of his acts and works meaningless. And they did the ultimate evil thing. They took the Son of God and they nailed him to a cross. Can you imagine a greater evil ever being done? And yet, what they meant for evil. What did God do? He turned it for good. Through that death, He dealt with sin and guilt and shame and sorrow and sickness and pain. He dealt with it all. Every evil thing you can think of. He let flow through that blood on the cross, rendering it inert, rendering it powerless, rendering it useless, that the goodness of God might triumph over the evil of man. This is what we hold in our hands today. These are the symbols of God's goodness. Father, we bless this bread today and we give thanks for it. For it is to us as the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, became one of us, and subjected himself to every pain, every temptation, every difficulty, every attack, every persecution. He endured, and he endured even the cross itself because of his love for us. We thank you for his body today. We thank you, O oh God, today for sending your Son in the likeness of human flesh, that we might know what it means to have God dwell in us bodily. We thank you for this today. We bless this bread in Jesus' name. Take and eat. Be made whole today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord.
how merciful and gracious you are. Father, we bless this cup today. For it is by this blood our sins are washed away. All the evil that is in us, all that is part of us that is not good, is cleansed by this blood. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood that saves. Thank you for the blood that heals. Thank you for the blood that regenerates. Thank you for the blood that justifies. Thank you for the blood, Lord. We receive it to us as the very life of Jesus Christ. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Take and drink. May the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Hallelujah. Bless the living God. Bless the living God. Thank you, Jesus. How great you are. How good you are. Thank you, Lord. Mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you for your mercy, God. Does anyone have anything to share before we let you go this morning? Happy birthday, Roshamar. Hallelujah. Oh, my. God is good. Amen. We rejoice. Anyone else have anything to share today? Amen. To another? So my question for me is the Fighting Focus is going to the Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks this morning for this day. We thank you for being with us this morning. Your presence was so real and personal to us today, God. Thank you so much for meeting us in this place at this time. We give thanks for the life of our brother Roshamar. In this 33rd year, we pray, will be one of unprecedented blessing, healing, accomplishment, God. Make him a testimony of your grace. A testimony of your goodness. Now, Father, we ask you to remember these who are sick, these who are traveling, God. Let mercies be upon them. Those who are suffering even today, God, unable to even get out of bed because of some illness or disease, God, I pray for them to raise them up. Let life and breath and light live in them again. Keep us safe. Keep us holy until we come back at the appointed times. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another and go and do something good. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 7.45 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.